This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. And welcome. We're so glad you are here today. My name is Kelly. If we've not had a chance to meet yet, and my husband Lynn and I get to pastor this amazing church, and we're so glad you are here today. If this is your first time, you are truly our honored guest today, church. Can you help us welcome those who are here for the first time? We're so glad that you are here. When you came in, you received a worship guide, and inside your worship guide, there's a connection card, and there's a place on the back for prayer requests. We invite you to fill that out and let us know a little bit about you. We promise not to spam you or visit you in the middle of your nap today. We just simply want to connect with you in in the next step of your faith journey, and we'll have ushers uh, at the back, and on your way out, they'll, they'll have a bucket, and you can drop your card in that bucket on your way out. Any prayer requests for anybody, we would love for you to just fill that out so we can connect with you. And if you're back, you've been on vacation, welcome back. It's so great to see everybody kind of trickling back in from those summer vacations. Maybe people are out today on a last minute trip, but we are glad that you are here. Today is the last Sunday of our Summer at TPC series. Every summer we have a a specific focus. We kind of go to summer school, as we've been saying. And this summer we've been learning about what it means to be a sent person. And we've learned that if God has called you into salvation and you've received a gift of salvation and you are saved, then you are also sent. We've been saying it. We've said that. Saved equals sent. And so we're landing the plane today. We have, have a special service, and I'm excited you're here for it. Pastor Landon's going to join me up here in a few moments, and we're going to um, commission you to be the sent ones. And what I've been thinking about the word commission, it's co-mission. We are co-laborers with Jesus in his rescue mission. And one of the things we've learned about living a sense life is that you're, you're not where you are on accident. You're not in the home that you're in or the apartment that you're in. You don't live in the neighborhood or the community that you're in on accident. Your kids aren't in a, in a school on accident. If you're a student, the school that you go to is not on accident. Your teachers that you receive this year, they're not going to be on accident. The people next to you in your workplace, it's not on accident. God is sending you into those places. And as we've been talking about scent, I was thinking about mail. How many of you love to get mail? Adults are like, I'm not so sure. Because there's two kinds of mail. Happy mail and not happy mail. But I want you to think about the happy mail for a second. Think about the happy mail. Think about when you get something in the mail that was handwritten by somebody. You get it in the mail and it's maybe in the envelope and you're opening it and you see the name on the outside. Maybe you even recognize the handwriting. That's how much you know. And you, you get mail from somebody who took the time. They were thinking of you, and they hand wrote a note to you, folded it up, put it in an envelope. Kind of feels old school, right? We don't do this a lot. We've got texting, email, all the things, but it almost can feel a little old school. But I think even for that reason, it makes it even more special when you get something in the mail from somebody. And I want you to think about that, that favorite person, maybe you've received mail from them, how it makes you feel. Like the warm fuzzies that it brings. Like you get this thing in the mail and you're like, oh, oh, one of those high pitched, oh, they thought of me. They were thinking of me and they took the time to do this. And, and what I have thought about in this, even when I send mail, when I take the time and write out a card to somebody and I send it to them, I'm sending it with an intentional, specific outcome. 
I'm wanting to reach that person in a certain way. I'm wanting to touch their heart in a certain way. I'm wanting them to know that they are loved and, and thought about. There's an intentional desired outcome when something is sent. Even if it's flowers that are sent or a Valentine gram that is sent. I was thinking about the movie Elf where they thought that he was sent to sing a song and that was in it. But there's a specific outcome that we want when something is sent. And in the same way, God sends us, he has a specific, desired, intentional outcome in the sending. There's, there's a, a person out there that God dearly loves, that he cares for, and he handpicks you. Of all the people, he says, who could I put right next to them? And he handpicks you and sends you into this person's life and with a very intentional, desired outcome of that person coming to know Jesus through you. It's not like junk mail. It's different than junk mail. It's different, it's different than bills. It's happy mail. And we get to be that happy mail to other people that Jesus, as Jesus sends us. I truly believe that this summer series, this message of living a sent life can be an anchor message for you. That it can be an anchor, that it can be a life-changing perspective for you. That, that as you begin to pray a send me prayer, Lord include me kind of prayer. Because a sense life, living a sent life, uh, is a kingdom partnership with Jesus in his rescue mission for lost people. That's why I have this floaty up here, is that we get to partner with Jesus. Just think about this, the creator of the universe, the one who places every star in the sky, the one who knows exactly how many hairs are or not on your head, <laughs> the one who called you by name, the one who knows every day before you, every sin behind you. He has invited us in to a partnership with him in his rescue mission. I don't know about you, but I feel so honored by that. I feel so entrusted. Um, I feel a little bit like, are you sure, God? Like, are you sure? He's sure, and we're going to unpack that a little bit today. And one thing I have seen over years of ministry and just years of walking with Jesus is that almost every time, not every time, every time, but almost every single time God moves, he does it through a sent person. I believe full-heartedly in those miracle moments where limbs grow back and cancer disappears and tumors shrink. I've seen it. I believe it. You cannot convince me otherwise. I know that it is real. But I also know that most of the time when God is sending a miracle, he sends it through a person. And a lot of times we get to be that if we will be partners with Jesus in his rescue mission. What an exciting life, right? What an exciting life as a Christian to get to be a partner with Jesus uh, in his rescue mission. Let's look at the scripture in 936 because I, I think this helps frame it. Jesus' perspective and him reaching out and inviting us in to be on this mission with him. The scripture says, when he saw the crowds, and it's talking about Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. I just want to take a moment and say, it's going to be hard to be on a rescue mission towards people if you don't have compassion on them. If you see them as a problem to be solved instead of a person to be loved, it's going to be hard to, have, to, to be on mission for them, to have compassion. I think we need to let our compassion grow and expand for people. So Jesus had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the dream team said, amen. 
We do have growth track next week if you would like to join the team. If you would like to be an answer to the solution on the Dream Team, we have Growth Track next Sunday. You can register online. We'll be sure we have enough food for you, a seat for you. We would love to host you next week at Growth Track. But Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. The sheep that don't have a shepherd, it's plentiful. The the sheep who, who don't have a shepherd to lead them to green pastures of nourishing food where they will be sustained, it, it's few. The workers to keep them from going off a cliff are few, but there are a lot of sheep that need a shepherd. And I know we live in a very modern world and we don't really know what it is to herd sheep, be a sheep farmer, a shepherd, that's it, to shepherd sheep. But shepherds provide a very important role for the sheep. Without the shepherd, they get eaten up by wolves. They go off of cliffs, they they die. They just get in the hole and they can't get out. As sheep, we need a shepherd to protect us, to provide for us, to guide us, to lead us, to care for us. And so Jesus had great compassion on them when he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. So the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And then Jesus says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out. Church, can you shout, send out, send out laborers into his harvest. So today is our sending service, and we are talking about how we are sent out into the harvest, that God is sending us to the people around us to reach those who are like sheep without a shepherd. What I love about this scripture is that we see the heart of Jesus. We see his heart break for people. We see his compassion grow and expand. And then, and then we also see that Jesus outlines a problem. There's a problem here. There are sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. But also in the same text, we see that Jesus brings a divine, a sovereign, a holy solution to the problem. And that divine, that sovereign, that holy solution, it's you and it's me. To be partners with Jesus, to bring a rescue mission to lost people. We get to be part of the answer to the problem that Jesus is talking about. We are his divine answer to that. So I want to encourage you today. Part of what we want to accomplish in our time together today is to infuse you with confidence. So you can walk out of here with assurance that you have, that you have inside of you, that you carry the very thing that people need, that they want, that they're desperate for, that they've been searching for. You carry that good news on the inside of you. You carry the very flotation device that the drowning people around you need. So you don't have to walk into conversations or relationships or moments timid or bashful or unsure because you have the thing that their souls have been desperately looking for. Good news of Jesus Christ, also known as the gospel, the the good news of Jesus that I was lost and I've been found. I was broken, I've been made whole. I was far from God and he brought me close. I was without a purpose and he set me on a path. The good news of Jesus Christ that you carry brings peace to anxious souls. It brings salvation to the lost. It brings healing to the sick. It is the message of Jesus' love to, other, to people. It's like finding streams in the desert. Has anybody been hot this summer? Have you been so hot you were like, I just need a big glass of water? I'm from Odessa, and I'm going to tell you the water there is bad. Like, it's real bad. But I have been so thirsty that I would drink Odessa water. And that's like the worst. 
Part of what we bring to people is that water to them when their soul is thirsty. You're a, you're a bringer of a life preserver to those who need it. The scripture in Isaiah, I feel, really beautifully paints this picture of streams in the desert. I want you to read it with me. It's in Isaiah 35. It says, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. They're not mad when you come to them with the hope of Jesus. They're not mad when you invite them to church. They're not mad. They're going to be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. How many of you in here can testify about the goodness of God? You've seen his glory. You've seen his majesty. He's done a work in your life. You've been saved by grace. If it were not, if it were not for God, where would you be? We get to invite others in to sing of his goodness with us. And it says when we do that, it says that he will strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with the vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then, they, then the lame man shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. I wonder today if I'm talking to anybody who can become a pool on the hot sand for somebody's soul. Somebody's soul condition, you come to them as streams in the desert. They're not gonna be mad you're coming. I want you to come with confidence that you're bringing to them hope. You're bringing to them what they need. The New Testament describes it as being salt and light. I love this scripture in Matthew 5, 13. It says, you are are the salt of the earth. You are. Point it at yourself. It's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. It's not your parent. It's you. You are the salt of the earth. But if a salt has lost its taste, how shall it, the saltiness be restored? I was thinking about this message the other day when I was up north. And I don't know if they have as much salt up there as we do, but I was eating what they called a breakfast burrito. And I was I was doing my best. The saving moment of the burrito was the avocado in it. But anyhow, Lena was like, how's it taste? I was like, I need some salt. Need some salt, right? Nobody wants to be eating bland food. And we get to bring that flavor to the world around us when we live with Jesus. We are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are are the light of the world. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter how dark the world gets, you are still the light of the world. And the light of the world is not gonna be overtaken by darkness, but the light will overcome the darkness because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are the light of the world. It says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others. Amen, church? Let your light shine before others. The goodness of Jesus on the inside of you is not meant to be put under a lamp. Oh, no. But to shine. We're going to do a back-to-school blessing here at the end, and we're going to bring in lots of little lights. We've got our, our bigger lights. We're going to bring in our kids, our students, college students, teachers, homeschool families. We're going to be praying a blessing over you because we believe that even students are sent to be a light in the world around them. 
And our light is meant to shine where you live, where you work, all the pathways of your life. They're not just normal. When you live with Jesus, these, you're not just going to the grocery store. You don't just pick a random cashier. You're not just checking the mail next to a neighbor. You don't just bump into somebody at the park. These become divine, holy moments where you are sent into people's lives. So you are to stand out. You cannot stand out and be a light if you are just as dull as the people around you. You cannot be salty and flavor the earth around you if you're just as flavorless as the people around you. So how do we stand out? How do we shine? How do we live salty? I have two thoughts for us on that. And just to clarify, uh, our kids were at a kids conference this week that was called Salt and Light. So they have learned this verse really well. But they had questions. They were confused. They were like, why would you live salty? I thought salty was bad. It's like being sassy. He's not wrong. Culturally, <laughs> salty does mean a little sassy. But biblically, let's look at what it means. How, how can we live as the light? How can we live salty? Let's look at what scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, dear friends, that's how I come to you today as a friend. I urge you. As foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and may glorify God on the day he visits us. So this scripture is all about how Jesus is going to be glorified. We see that also in Matthew chapter 5. It says when we're the salt of the earth and when we're the light of the world, they will see that and they will glorify God. This scripture likewise says when we live as called out ones, which is even the definition of the root word that we get the word church from. As the church, we are called out and sent into as a church, we are called out. We are to be a little bit different than the rest of the world. It's hard to let our light shine when we're just as dark as the world around us. So does it make you stand out a little bit? A little bit. It does. I used to think when I was a teenager and I was really learning how to walk out my faith and I was learning to live a surrendered life to Jesus, I remember thinking if I fully surrender my life to Jesus, he's going to ask me to do weird stuff. And I don't want to be weirder than I already am. You know, like help somebody. I didn't want to be the weird one. I, I thought if I fully surrendered to Jesus, that he's going to call me to be a missionary in Africa. And I just didn't feel bent that way. I love the great outdoors, but I don't want to eat bugs. I thought if I fully surrendered my life to Jesus, that, that he would call me to stand on the lunch table in the cafeteria and, and, and tell everybody if they didn't give their heart to Jesus that they were going to burn in hell forever. And what I have learned over time in walking with Jesus is that living surrendered and living sent, it doesn't make me weird, it makes me helpful. It makes me helpful as a light in the darkness. It helps, it helps light the way in which people should go. And when, when we live that way, it's not about us and whether or not we are doing things right, but it's so that God can be glorified. And when it says good deeds, that is defined by God's word. We see that in a few of the scriptures we're gonna look at. It says, um, it says live such good lives among the pagans, live a Christian life among non-Christian people that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. And so it's not about being perfect, 
but it is about living according to biblical values. It is about living according to conviction, and it is about living different. The translation I learned as a teenager was the, the text said strangers and aliens. You're like strangers and aliens in this world. So yes, there's a little bit of a called outness because when everyone else is smoking weed and getting high and getting drunk and sleeping around, you're not. And people may think that's weird. And I think it's a good thing to be weird. I want to raise more weird kids. I want, the, I want our, our kids' ministry and our youth ministry raising up more weird kids who aren't doing the things that the world is calling normal. I want kids who are going to stand for truth and conviction and biblical values that are defined by God's word. Bad, a bad belief system, a bad worldview, it leads to bad outcomes. But a biblical worldview and a biblical value system leads to the best possible outcome of a life we could ever live. It says in Joshua 1.8, it says, living according to God's ways, it leads us to a prosperous and successful life. This produces, living according to God's way produces the best life possible. And we invite people into that when we live according to the convictions that we hold. It's not very convincing to the world around us when we don't live according to the convictions and the values that we say we believe. So if we will live according to God's ways, it's inviting to the people around us. And the thing is that when you get saved, you don't automatically know how to walk the way that Jesus walked. That, that has to be taught. Another word for that is discipled. We have to be discipled into the ways of Jesus. So we say yes to Jesus, that's amazing, and we'll celebrate it. You get baptized, and that's great. But the rest of the verse that talks about going to all the nations, baptizing them, it says to teach them to walk in my ways. Teaching them to walk. So we have a rooted group for you. Small groups will be launching soon in the, in the fall, in September. Maybe you can lead a small group and help people know how to walk in the ways of Jesus. There's a, a group called Rooted. If you're a new Christian and you're like, hey, how do I walk this thing out? How do I walk in the ways of Jesus? What are these good ways? What are these biblical values? How do I live according to, to those convictions? Take a Rooted group. Join a Rooted group. It will bless you. It will help you learn to walk as a disciple. Maybe you can lead a group. We have, we're launching an Awana program this fall for the kids to do this very thing so they can learn to walk in the ways of Jesus. Maybe you can come and teach kids in a midweek Bible program how they can walk in the ways of Jesus. That's how we let our light shine is that we live according to God's ways. Not perfect, but we're doing our best. John 13 says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you're not going to love one another, I'd imagine Jesus would be like, yo, don't tell him you're a Christian. You've been nasty to that cashier. You've been nasty to the person at the DMV. I know sometimes it's tempting. You were not nice to the TSA agent. Like if you're not going to be nice and love people, tell him you're a Buddhist. Tell him you're a Hindu. Tell him anything, but don't be representing me out here in the way that you're not loving people. If we will live according to biblical values and we will love people well, now we're talking. John 15 says this, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Here's how I do math. I use words. Check out this math problem. Godly living plus loving well equals being salt and light. When we live according to God's ways and we love people well according to God's ways. Love does not equal tolerance. According to the Bible, love does not equal blind acceptance. But if we can love people by laying our life down for them and we live according to conviction, that is how we live as salt and light. 
Being salt and light, I know it can seem like a daunting task because the world seems to be getting darker and darker and darker. It can be overwhelming for parents as we send our kids back to school. I know it can seem overwhelming, but I'm here today to tell you that you've got everything it takes for you to walk out these doors and live as salt and light. I believe our kids got it. I believe that the power of God inside of them is all they need. In fact, that's what God's word says. It says you have everything you need to live a life of, uh, with Christ. You have everything you need. I believe that we were made for these moments. I believe you're made for these moments. I believe that you're destined for this time. God didn't choose you to live 50 years ago. He chose you right now. God didn't choose you to be born 100 years from now. He chose you right now. God didn't place you on the East Coast. He didn't place you on the West Coast. Shout out, Californians, you made your way here. You're not, you're not in middle America somewhere. We don't know where Idaho, Ohio, Illinois. You're not, you're not in any of those places. You are right here, right now. And I'm not even talking about your bottom in this seat, but I am talking about you, you live where you live. God is sending you with an intentional outcome to live next door to somebody, to work next door to somebody. And if you're a teacher, you have, you have certain coworkers next door to you. You have certain children coming into your classroom. Students, you are sent into a classroom, maybe to impact the teacher, maybe to impact other students or coaches. You are sent. You are sent. You're destined for this time. Throughout scripture, we see a series, uh, we see one story after another of people who are sent. And today I'm going to pray an Isaiah and Esther kind of anointing over you. We see the story of Jonah where God calls him and he says, no. He goes, here I am, God. I will not go. Gets swallowed up by a whale, regurgitated out. It was kind of nasty. He eventually makes it, the long, but he takes the long way. And then God calls Moses, and Moses says, God, not, 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 not me. I, I, have, I have a stuttering problem. There's, there's got to be somebody else. And God said, I'm sending you. So I don't want us to say, God, here I am not, and God send somebody else. But like Isaiah in Scripture, can we say, here I am, God, send me. Here I am. I'm available. I'm surrendered. Send me. There's this beautiful story in the book of Esther, where Esther finds herself the chosen one to be married to the king. And all of her people are about to be killed. And she has an opportunity in her newfound position to beseech the king, who's also her husband. It could cost her her life. It wasn't an easy task for her. And I love the words of her uncle, Mordecai, as he encouraged her in these moments. And I want to share them with you. It's in Esther chapter 4. And Mordecai says to her, he says, if you remain silent at this time, I just want to pause. The world around us, it may be dark, but we cannot afford to be silent at this time. The world is groaning and crying out for truth carriers and light carriers and salty people just like you to show up. It says, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. For such a time as this. And then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. She says, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I have good news for you introverts today. You will not die. You will not die. You will not perish. 
people will be grateful. They will be grateful that you brought to them the life-saving device that they needed as their life may be drowning in hopelessness. They may be drowning in, in marital issues. They might be drowning in fear. They might be drowning in depression or anxiety. And you have the very thing that could pull them out of it and to set them in a life with Jesus. And the amazing thing about Esther was after she said, yes, I will go, after she believed and embraced that she was divinely appointed, sent to her position, she stepped into courage and saw her people saved. Her husband slash king turned his heart to the Lord and then he brought the entire nation with him as well. There was a huge impact when Esther said yes because big things can happen because we are partnered and we are in commission with a big God. So here's our call to action. Pastor Lena's gonna join me up here. And we have a call to action for you in a moment. Our kids are going to be joining us for our back to school blessing, but we have a mission for you should you choose to accept it. And they don't have to. They don't have to. You could. They could live a very boring, isolated life, <laughs> or they can accept this mission. You know, and all, all joking aside, you know, it's been you know, unhelpful to the mission of Christ where we have created churches where we sit and we receive and do nothing. Um, I don't even know if you can call that a church. It's a gathering of people who like a style because a church by definition is someone who is mission focused. Right. It's a group of people who are, are, who are heading a certain direction. And, and, and so it is a mission. It is, mm -hmm. it can be uncomfortable. But if we accept it, the primary call to action is for you to be awake yeah. to those around you. And the world is telling us what we need to be awake about right now. But to be awake to those who are right next to you, to notice other people, to see people as dearly loved and created by God, to engage them in friendship, to be intentional, mm -hmm. to be curious to get to know them, to invite them in, to share their story, to, uh, to have your neighbor come over yeah. for a barbecue or, or to grill out. And those of you that are from Texas know grilling and barbecuing are not the same thing. So if you're new here, don't say you're going to have them for a barbecue and then you cook hot dogs, they won't come back. It's not the same. It's, it's an invitation to let the light of Jesus shine, that's in you to shine out of you, to live surrendered to Jesus Christ completely and to say yes to living a saved and sent life. And if we all do that, if we all agree to do that together, then there's a collective impact. You might not feel like inviting somebody over for a couple of hot dogs is a big deal, but it might, it might turn into something beautiful. Uh, you mentioned first service uh, that Hector and Annabelle were sitting in the back of the room and Right. And our daughters had gotten to know each other, and you went to drop Kaylin off at, at their home. And, right. and that turned into an invitation to an Easter service a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and now they're greeting people at the door. What seemed like such a, an insignificant thing of just dropping your kid off somewhere turned into an entire family who came to church. And then that family brought Judy and Moses and all their kids, and now Judy is our elementary director. 
People who were lost and hurting and broken now have family and significance a year and a half later. Guys, these it's a collective impact. Right. You may think that one little thing you're doing doesn't affect anyone, but that one invitation you made has affected all of your children. It's a collective impact. So what if you invite one yeah. neighbor, learn about one neighbor, what would your block look like? What would your street look like? Your, your efforts would be so much better used. Your emotional energy would be so much better used to invite someone to come over. That neighbor whose dog you hate, instead of getting on your HOA Facebook page and griping about someone's mysterious unknown dog and you know exactly who it is, why don't you invite them over instead? And what, it's, 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 it's moving forward. What if we were as a church, the mature, peaceful voices on our block. What if together we as the body of Christ were on mission and we were all committed to doing the same thing? Look at these maps up here. What would these streets in our neighborhoods look like? What would these cities begin to look like if just the people that call this church home began to live as sent people? And I want to explain these maps to you, these Maps, if they look familiar, they hang up at the church office, and we brought them here today, and, and you know, we started south and go north, we just tried to help you follow the interstate and make it easy, so it goes all the way from San Antonio to New Braunfels, this is the church's main focus point right now, the church's vision is to plant life-giving local churches and communities all along the I-35 corridor that are unswervingly committed to reaching people with the gospel of Christ and discipling the believer. That is why we're here. And there are hundreds of thousands of people represented by seven tiny frames. And you live next to them. And they need Jesus. Whether it's from San Antonio to New Braunfels, they need Jesus. And what we're going to do is here in response time, here in a moment, we end our service every Sunday with what we call response time, where uh, whoever's preaching, they give this message, and now you have a decision to make. You have a decision to just sit there and not do anything about it, or you have a decision to take a step forward and come get prayer, take communion. That's every Sunday. But today we added an extra thing. And what you're going to do is you're going to come up here, and every single person is going to put their name on one of those little flags and, and stick it up there. First service, some people put just their family name, but we want you to put your name because if if you're a double-income household, then you're sent to different places. And you live in the same neighborhood. But everybody individually put your name there. This is a, a signifier and a mental picture that I am sent to that city. And I know there might be some other smaller towns, you know, Garden Ridge isn't up here, or Santa Clara, or Marion, like those towns are not up here. Which, so the joke for service was, which H-E-B are you closest to? Pick that city. Where do you shop the most? Pick that city. Right. And it's going to be a beautiful thing for you to come up here. And here's, here's what you're going to do. When you, when you write your name on that and you're sticking it on the frame, you're, you're going to say out loud with your mouth. And this is so beautiful first. You're going to say it with, mm. with your mouth. I am sent to Cibolo. Yeah. I am sent to New Braunfels. I am sent to San Antonio. And you begin to make that declaration. That that's where you're sent. 
So before we do that, and before we um, say our sent declaration to everybody, uh, we're going to get the kids to come in. And while the kids are coming in, Genevieve, can you guys pass out? Um, you're going to all get one of these. This is your sent declaration that you get to take home, uh, put it in your car, put it by your makeup mirror, put it on, on your mirror at home, put it on your refrigerator, wherever you're going to see it. Or if you're like me, I love to keep things like this in my Bible at home. We kind of printed it like that. So it's like a, put it on your you know, refrigerator. Like a fat bookmark if you want. You can write it out and just read it out loud to yourself every single day. Now, as we're talking about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We got some lights coming in here right now. Come Can y'all give it up for lights. all these give lights? These Come on, lights. Y'all are just going to fill in down here. Colton, you can go all the way down. What's up, buddy? High fives? High fives? Smiles and high fives? All right. All right. Look at these lights. Full of joy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Y'all keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming, keep coming. What's up? I love these kids. They're so amazing. All right, y'all come on. Come this way. My new friend. I met him at the Back to School Bash. In this one. Good to see you. All right. Sublights. Sublights. Aren't they awesome? Hey, this is a back-to-school um, blessing. We're going to pray over them. So if you're in high school, if you're in junior high, if you're in college, if you're a teacher, if you're homeschooled, if you're a homeschool parent, this blessing is for you. You are welcome to come down. Come you're welcome to come down. You can stand where you are. You can raise a hand be like, somebody lay hands on me. I am headed back. Maybe as a teacher, we want to pray a blessing over you. If you're a, a kid's teacher, you're welcome to come pray over these kiddos. But we believe that this is not the church of tomorrow. This is the church of today and that every single one of these kids are sent as a light. They are sent as the salt of the earth into their classrooms, into their schools, that when they step foot onto their campuses, that they are stepping foot as world changers. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to pray a blessing over every single one of these kiddos. Okay. Um, and so go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's pray a blessing over them. Stretch your hands out towards them. And as Kelly leads us in that prayer, you pray for them too. Isn't this amazing? All these little lights about to go into their classrooms. So Kelly, go ahead and lead yeah, us in that and prayer. And I'll say this. When, when the narrative around us about schools and all of this gets dark, I want you to know that God is sending, God is sending lights into those places as students, as teachers. Don't let the negative narrative bring you down because there is hope. And it's in the people that God is sending. Let's pray that blessing over them together, church. Lord, we thank you for these students. We thank you for teachers. Lord, every school that they are going back into, either as a teacher, as a student. Lord, our homeschool students in their communities and our homeschool parents and the, and the other homeschool parents they know. Lord, we pray your richest blessing over each and every one of them. Lord, as they are sent into their schools and sent to their friends, they're sent to a desk right next to a kid so that they can live differently, so they can live set apart, so they can live with joy and love and according to your ways so that they may see that in them and know and glorify you, Jesus. Lord, we pray a blessing of protection over each one of them. Lord, would you protect them from their head to their toes. Lord, every day they come in, every day they go out, Lord, we declare these kids as blessed and these teachers as blessed in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray protection over them. Lord, provision that they are in the right classes at the right time with the right teachers. 
Lord, that, that they're on the right teams and they're learning the right stuff. And Lord, Lord, when things around them may be crazy, would they know that they are being sent on mission? Lord, would they be set apart to be a light for you? In Jesus' name, we pray blessing, we pray protection, and we commission them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for our kiddos. We love you guys. You can go back down that aisleway. Miss Kim. Right back. Yeah, y'all can lead them uh, that way. Follow Crystal. Noah's in the back. You guys follow that direction. Come on, give it up for our kids as they walk out today. We love our teachers. In fact, we're getting to bless our teachers here with a a lunch when they're doing Meet the Teacher. So if you'd like to be a part of that, you can see me after service. Yeah, this is Friday, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be there. No, this Friday is the 11th because tomorrow we've been married 19 years. Happy anniversary. (laughs) The best 19 years of her life. So what we're about to do is we are going to declare together that we are sent people. We're going to do it out loud, and then response time is going to start. The band's going to lead us in a song. The prayer team's going to come down front. We'll have communion and prayer, prayer for anything that you need. But we highly, highly encourage you to come get prayer and say, I want to be sent to my neighborhood. Can you pray courage over me? Open doors over me and my family and, and creative ideas. Or just get some prayer because God will do a miracle there. So everybody have your piece of paper. It's also on the screen. We're going to read it out loud with a strong voice as a sent person. Ready, one, two, ready, read. I am a sent person living life on mission in partnership with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach the lost. I see my home, neighborhood, work environment, and natural pathways differently. They now represent legitimate mission fields. I see others the way Jesus does and care for them dearly. I ask great questions, tell powerful stories of gospel transformation, and invite others to respond and follow Jesus. With great expectation, I know God is already working, leading, instructing, and empowering. I will do my part to listen, cooperate, and to go where I am sent. Somebody say amen, amen, amen. Prayer team, go ahead and come down front if you're scheduled to pray. And we're going to leave these lights on because we want you to see the frame. We want you to see what you're writing down. We want you to see your impact there. Remember, every single person, write your name. And when you put your name on that map, you're saying, I am sent to Live Oak. I am sent to Selma. I am sent to my city. In addition to coming and writing your names on the maps, praying with somebody, part of what we have every response time is that of communion. It's to remember that his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. If not for Jesus, where would we be? And we have been recipients of that grace and that salvation. And communion's a moment to remember that. And a reminder today, especially too, that we are sent to bring that same hope to the people around us. So partake of communion, prayer, and the maps in your response time. So Father, right now in these moments, we surrender completely to you as our Lord and King. 
And may we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to cover all of our sins, past, present, and future with his powerful blood that we don't have to live the same or pay for pay the debt for our own sin. It's already been paid. And may the Holy Spirit uh, invade our hearts today and lead us in a, in a step of influence, lead us in a step of obedience. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. You're now free to come and respond, take communion, get prayer. Put your name up on your sin. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.